Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Welcome to 2022, everybody, even if I say the sports calendar doesn't reset till after the Super Bowl. It's a new year, and BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best wagering action in the new year. You can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code BLEAVE. B-L-E-A-V, when you sign up with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good afternoon or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live, because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is the 1st of February, 2022. Welcome in, everybody. I am so glad to be bringing you another episode of the Take It Easy podcast. 850 episodes in. We are still rolling strong. Thanks for stopping in with us today. I got my creative juices flowing over the past two days and uh we brought back two of our favorites old-timey segments that I just have not had the time for because I'm also a college student and also do college student type things and so all of a sudden you'd have to prioritize some important things and sometimes you lose a Zach Wilson Justin Herbert 25 minute 10 act play that is basically a, re- a recreation of Karate Kid with looks-likes of NFL players. And sometimes you lose an Atlanta Falcons parody song. And sometimes you lose spending four hours making a bit of going on a cross-country trek to find Andrew Luck. Sometimes you lose out on those when you just don't have time. But this conference championship weekend got me inspired to do two things. One, make an organized bit Two minutes long, took two hours of work, and write a story, an in-depth expose story that took three hours to write, and it will produce one podcast worth of content, just like tomorrow will produce one hour worth of podcast. But these two bits, which took a combined six hours to make, polish, and now create this podcast were absolute passion projects and absolute fun to make. So first and foremost, let's do the bit, because it's only two minutes long, and the story is longer than that. The bit comes on the heels of tomorrow being Groundhog Day. I got 
For those of you who are deep into this podcast, y'all know that my favorite holiday of the year, behind Super Bowl Sunday and the two days where you used to be able to watch March Madness in school, are, of course, Groundhog Day. That is my favorite holiday, bar none, because I love the movie Groundhog Day. It's weird. I watched it as a kid one time on a Friday night, watched it back to back. It's an amazing movie. I try to watch it every single year around Groundhog Day. It's not always on Groundhog Day, but it's around Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day is more of a three-day celebration for myself. On the 31st, I made this two-minute parody song to the theme song from the movie. Not that theme song, the one that's like, put your little hand in mine. But they actually had a song that was the intro and outro for the movie that had a perfect opportunity to make a parody song too with one Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo blew a 10-point fourth quarter lead with a performance that as we talked about was 7 minutes left in the game 17 to 14 Jimmy Gar- or sorry 17-17 Jimmy Garoppolo went incomplete pass delay of game dropped interception by Jalen Ramsey incomplete pass punt back to the Rams down 20 to 17 get the ball back with a minute 46 to go throw an interception game over and Jimmy Garoppolo got the treatment from the song. Now, the song originally is called Weatherman, so we changed Weatherman to Quarterback and then rhymed a few things here and there, Um, but the song is, like, not a super popular song. It's just the song to the Groundhog Day movie, and it's by Delbert McClinton, don't know who that is, but shout out Delbert McClinton. It was made 30 years ago, as was the Groundhog Day movie, and this is our parody. I'm sure none of you have heard the original song and uh, don't know the song the way I do, which is one of the great pieces of cinematography music, or scores, or whatever they call it. It's one of the great pieces ever, and it is delivered so eloquently in this movie that I with the song just in the back of my head, because I know the song like the back of my... I memorized the song. I have it on Spotify. It's a great song. And so I have the song memorized, and so that allows me to create this parody song with Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo drops back to throw. You're gonna lose the game. The seasons come and seasons go. The Niners need a change. If you don't throw check downs, you're gonna take a sack. Jimmy G is warming up. Yeah, he's your quarterback. No, don't throw it. Interceptions drive us all insane. Phones are calling. Ron Rivera wants to make a trade. If a rookie QB isn't in your plans, just call San Francisco up 
They got your quarterback. They say he's smart and he wins games. That don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had a ring. If your team's rebuilding talent's what you lack, trade two picks for Jimmy G. Now he's your quarterback. So great to listen to that over and over. I'm so proud of myself for this work. I wouldn't even call it some of our best work. I mean, we, we did that Atlanta Falcons parody song where we had to write entire lyrics to Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. So this one is pretty damn good. And even then, I feel like I can do better. Mostly because there wasn't an instrumental version for this one, which helped in some places and didn't help in others because I had to overlay the actual audio for the song. Um, so the lyrics in the other one you can kind of hear faintly in certain places, but it's such a small song that they don't have an instrumental version for it. The original sound has like 38,000 views on YouTube or something. It's not very much. So uh, maybe we can keep using this for whatever team Jimmy Garoppolo joins next, as I threw out in the song. Let's go Ron Rivera. Please acquire Jimmy Garoppolo so it makes more sense when we play this song next season for whatever team Jimmy Garoppolo plays for. Also, I still firmly am entrenched in this camp. I look dumber than I did before, but if the 49ers had played Trey Lance instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, they would maybe have won a Super Bowl. And they maybe win that game yesterday based on how good Trey Lance actually is and not collapsing at the end of games. And they're possibly in the Super Bowl against the Bengals if Trey Lance is their quarterback instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. Because, man, that team is a quarterback away. Quarterback away. So, the second part I had is the story of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, and rebuilding the team. One of the things that we talked about yesterday with Blake Jude is the Rams, when they went to the Super Bowl in 2018, they had... Well, one, it was a lucky run because the Saints also blew a late lead and they got to the Super Bowl, but the Rams had 73% of the roster was players acquired under the Jeff Fisher regime. And Sean McVay, in three years, completely overhauled the roster in his and Les Snead's image. They traded all their draft picks, they made a bunch of all-in moves, and kind of redefined the way that we think about roster building in the NFL. And yes, it ends up working out for the Los Angeles Rams, relative to, you know, they didn't have to play um, the Packers to get there, and they were 10 minutes away from losing that game, and Cooper Cup's emergence has been a huge change for them, but the Los Angeles Rams essentially had three players this time around who were part of the Jeff Fisher regime, and we did that quiz yesterday, and so 
I wrote a long-form story with some editing involved and, you know, telling a narrative of the Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay and Aaron Donald were the foundation of the team. You could throw Les Snead in the mix there, too, as the general manager. But with, essentially, Sean McVay and Aaron Donald, in three years, the Rams built an entirely different team that went back to the Super Bowl. Something that the 49ers did in five years. Something that... The Tampa Bay, or not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the the New England Patriots did across five years in between the Super Bowl with Randy Moss and the Super Bowl um, 49 with the one Super Bowl appearance in between, but they had to revamp the roster with only Tom Brady and Bill Belichick as the stable points of reference. The Rams did it so quickly and went all in on winning this year. And by all in, I don't. I, I talk about this in the story. I don't like using the phrase "all in" because "all in" just connotes the idea of giving up draft picks and mortgaging your future. When the Rams could technically do both by expar- exploiting a market inefficiency, so all of that is kind of preluding into the story. I just wanted to give the context for that because I'm really proud of this story that I wrote. Um, there's a few great ones back in here. If you go back to May, we did a Brown turnaround story about the Cleveland Browns, and it's one of my finest, proudest works. We did one on the Denver Broncos in August. I just haven't had time to do long-form stories this way. I had a lot of time during the pandemic. In fact, during those four months where sports weren't going on, that was a good portion of our content. It came from me writing stories and reading stories live on the air because we weren't doing it with all of our friends back then. So getting to bring that back for three hours was just a massive passion project for me. Writing is something that's really fun because I love storytelling. I love storytelling. And ultimately, that's what I want to do is tell stories. And so we're going to tell the story of the Los Angeles Rams here on the Take It Easy podcast. Did y'all know that the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing. He invests in stocks and crypto and even art with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. And when that art sells, you get return on investments as high as 30%. If you want to get priority access with Masterworks today, go to masterworks.art slash believe. Masterworks.art slash believe to start investing in stocks and cryptocurrency and shares in artwork today. You can invest like the goat with Masterworks. See important disclosures at masterworks.com slash disclaimer. February 3rd, 2019. Four minutes and 24 seconds left in Super Bowl 53. New England Patriots 10, Los Angeles Rams 3. Bill Belichick, 66 years old, calls a play on defense for 2nd and 10 from the New England 27-yard line. The Patriots have, surprisingly, shocked the NFL by getting even this close to a Super Bowl. The Patriots' offense is nothing like the high-powered attacks of Drew Brees' New Orleans Saints, who averaged 31.5 points per game in 2018, or the Kansas City Chiefs, led by MVP Patrick Mahomes, 50 touchdown passes, and a 12-4 regular season record. They didn't even have the offense of their opponents in the Super Bowl, led by Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, 
and Brandon Cooks. Over the past two seasons, Gurley recorded 3,900 yards of offense, 47 offensive touchdowns, and a second-place finish in MVP in 2017, along with an Offensive Player of the Year award. Goff, in his third season, made the Pro Bowl after throwing 4,600 passing yards, 32 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions, with a quarterback rating of 101, the league average is 91 for people keeping track at home, for the second consecutive season. Cooks, who played for the Patriots in 2017's Super Bowl 52 loss, recorded 1,200 receiving yards in 2018, and already had 120 yards in a Super Bowl where the Rams had only scored three points. Alternatively, the Rams' defense was pitching a masterpiece at stopping Tom Brady and the Patriots. Led by Aaron Donald, the NFL Defensive Player of the Year, and Ndamukong Sue, the Rams were suffocating the Patriots' vaunted rushing attack, holding them to under 100 yards as a team. In the secondary, linebackers like Corey Littleton, Sam Ebukam, and Michael Brockers were taking away Rob Gronkowski, the Patriots' Hall of Fame tight end, at all costs. The cost today was Julian Edelman, who had 11 catches for 141 yards. It was only on the previous drive, with 7 minutes left to go, that Rob Gronkowski caught a 20-yard pass from Brady to set up first and goal, immediately leading to the first touchdown of the game, giving the Patriots the 10-3 lead that they currently held. The Patriots were exposing the Rams' offense by taking away an injured Todd Gurley, who didn't play in the last two playoff games for the Rams. Gurley had just 10 carries for 35 yards. The Patriots were daring Jared Goff to throw the ball across the field. Now, on this final drive, that's exactly what Goff did. He completed a 15-yard pass to Brandon Cooks, then another 15-yarder to Robert Woods. The Rams were driving on the Patriots' defense for the first time today, sensing the desperation of a game falling out of their grasp. And so, on that second and ten from the New England 27, Bill Belichick called an all-out blitz. Linebacker Kyle Van Noy acted as the fifth pass rusher for the Patriots, drawing the blocking protection of Gurley. This created a free rush at Goff from Patriots safety Deron Harmon, a rare sixth pass rusher on a play where the Rams were almost certain to go deep down the field. It was the second time all game Bill Belichick called out an all-out blitz, and against better QBs of the NFL, like Mahomes and Breeze, the play would not have worked. Breeze would have had the foresight to check down to his wide receiver sitting on a five-yard in route for the Rams. In this case, it was wide receiver Josh Reynolds sitting five yards in the middle of the field or throw the ball away. Patrick Mahomes would have used his unique rushing ability to escape from the pocket and buy himself enough time for one of his wide receivers in single coverage to break off their defender. On this play, Goff threw from his back foot towards his first target, Cooks, and the pass came up six yards short. 
They're taking shots down the field now. Blitz to the end zone, and it's intercepted at the three-yard line. Gilmore jumps up and grabs it. Cooks didn't even have time to turn around and track the ball before it was intercepted by Stephon Gilmore at the four-yard line. The Patriots had the ball, up seven, with four minutes to go in the Super Bowl, as close to a death sentence as there has been over the last 20 years of NFL football. As the confetti fell, a celebratory Belichick went over to dap up his adversary, Sean McVay. The 33-year-old second-year coach of the Rams had taken a team that didn't make the playoffs for 12 years and won two straight NFC West titles, made a Super Bowl, all while going 24-8. and The running joke was that every assistant who had ever known McVay, from Matt LeFleur to Cliff Kingsbury to quarterback coach Zach Taylor, were being hired as NFL head coaches during the 2018 coaching cycle. McVay looked like the next great NFL coach, turning a perennial loser into a near-Super Bowl champion in just two years, all before the age of 33. It wasn't a magical run of success for a team looking for an identity in Los Angeles. Sean McVay was hired by the Rams for one reason specifically, to work with Todd Gurley. McVay had spent four to five years studying the zone-running scheme of Mike Shanahan with the Washington football team. He was the offensive coordinator for Jay Gruden a year later. The Rams were one of the rare, run-heavy teams in the NFL, with Gurley being a Pro Bowl running back, and Goff, at the time of McVay's hire, being a rookie who had thrown five touchdowns and seven interceptions while holding the worst passer rating in the NFL among qualified starters. It also didn't hurt that McVay inherited the greatest defensive player of his generation, who would win Defensive Player of the Year in both of McVay's first two seasons, this of course being Aaron Donald. McVay was regarded as a genius coach in 2018 because of the work he did with Gurley. As we mentioned earlier, Gurley had 3,900 yards of offense and scored 47 offensive touchdowns in those two McVay seasons. Only Priest Holmes, 55, and Ladanian Tomlinson, 51, had more touchdowns in a two-year stretch than Gurley in the history of the NFL. In an era where the NFL rules incentivize teams to pass the ball more and use a running back 40, then use a running back 40 times a game. And his defenses were fantastic because they had stars like Donald, Sue, Marcus Peters, and Eric Weddle. Of the 52 players on the 2018 Rams Super Bowl team, 73% of them were acquired, drafted, or signed under previous head coach Jeff Fisher. There were little moves that McVeigh and general manager Les Snead made in the two years, like bringing in Robert Woods on waivers and making him a 1,200-yard, $64 million wide receiver. It can also be true that McVeigh maximized Todd Gurley's potential with his offense and also won an NFC championship with Jeff Fisher's players. This is not meant in any way to slight Sean McVeigh. This was the job he was specifically hired to do, and he did it with the help of a missed pass interference call against the Saints in the NFC Championship game. Flash forward to the end of 2018. 
the Los Angeles Rams made the classic mistake teams make after winning a Super Bowl. Thinking you could bring back every player, eliminate your available salary cap space, and recapture the magic of the previous year. After losing that Super Bowl to the Patriots, Jared Goff got a $131 million contract before the 2019 season. In the earliest days of this here podcast, I was adamant that the Los Angeles Rams should have traded Jared Goff instead of giving him a contract extension, and I was correct. Todd Gurley was still looking at $66 million over three years. Brandon Cooks had signed a four-year, $57 million extension, and Robert Woods went from making $1.1 million to $12 million a year. And Aaron Donald's salary cap went from making $6 million under his rookie contract, ridiculously cheap by the way, to making $17 million, to then making $23 million in 2020. The Rams couldn't find $14 million to re-sign Indomitian Sue, a generational star who went to join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after losing the Super Bowl. 2019 final record, 9-7, missed the playoffs. Flash forward two more years. The Los Angeles Rams are back in the Super Bowl. Compared to 73% of Jeff Fisher's players in the Super Bowl 53 run, the 2021 Rams team had just three players remaining from the Jeff Fisher regime. Aaron Donald, punter Johnny Hecker, and a 2016 rookie practice squad player named Tyler Higby. In the 1970s, Steve Jobs and members of Apple visited Xerox Park to view a pitch for a new invention, a computer interface device. The concept was that, in order to make it easy to navigate the computer interface, people could use a magical device called a mouse in order to click on little bits of information called icons on the computer screen. This all seems silly now. It's a simplistic concept because this is the way all computers have worked for 40 years. But before the 1970s, only computer programmers could access giant points of data out of computers. Steve Jobs left that pitch saying that Apple needed to invest every resource they had available into this technology because it would make the computer technology infinitely easier for the common person to use. His fellow investors told him that Apple did not have money to invest in this type of project because they were investing in so many other projects. They would go bankrupt if they invested the type of money Jobs was talking about. As legend has it, Jobs responded to them, Better that we blow ourselves up than let the market do it for us. I'm going to repeat that real quick here. Better that we blow ourselves up then let the market do it for us. After investing in this technology, the 1980s created a demand for the computer interface Apple and Xerox worked together to create, and the technological revolution began kicking into high gear. Apple is now worth $3 trillion. The underlying point is that change is inevitable, and the best leaders have the foresight to see that while what they're doing now may be working, it's not the best path going forward, or perhaps could be better done in the future. 
In a weird way, the story of Sean McVay and Les Snead is a story like the story of Steve Jobs. The job of the NFL team is to navigate a cutthroat business designed to legislate parity thanks to the institution of the salary cap in 1994 as a way to suppress wages and maximize profits. The Rams made all of the mistakes that lead to teams falling from the top of the mountain, wasting years sulking at the mistakes and seeing coaches and general managers get fired. More often than not, this also leads to generational talents like Aaron Donald going to play for other teams. Think about the case of the Houston Texans. Just two years ago, the Houston Texans were up 24-0 on the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Divisional Round, getting ready to host the 9-7 Titans in the AFC Championship and to play the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. In the two years since, when the Kansas City Chiefs scored 52 points in three quarters to defeat the Houston Texans, the Texans have not only gone 8-25, and They've also helped fuel three different NFL teams' most successful runs in the last 10 to 15 years. They gave up the equivalent of five first-round picks to the Dolphins for Laramie Tunsil. DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt went to the Cardinals for the equivalent of a second-round pick. And whoever gets Deshaun Watson will have a franchise-changing quarterback for the next 10 years. In a cliche transition, let's think about the Jacksonville Jaguars. In 2017, one year before the Rams' Super Bowl run, the Jacksonville Jaguars went to the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles as their quarterback. They were eight minutes away from making it to the Super Bowl before they collapsed at the hands of the New England Patriots. They then extended Blake Bortles, traded Calais Campbell, not re-signed Yannick Ngakwe, and all of a sudden the Jacksonville Jaguars went 5-11 the following season. The Jaguars also decided not to extend Jalen Ramsey, the number 5 pick in the 2016 NFL Draft and generational cornerback, at a generational talent at the cornerback position amid a contract dispute and the impending teardown of the Jaguars organization. And so, on October 25th, 2019, the Rams, in the middle of the season where they would go 9-7 and and miss the playoffs, gave up two first-round picks to the Jaguars in order to get Jalen Ramsey without any cap space available to sign Ramsey to an extension. The Rams also had to trade Pro Bowl corner Marcus Peters to the Ravens for a dump of a fifth-round pick just to even have enough space to add Ramsey in 2019. Trading two first-round picks when your team is strapped for cash and on their way to a 9-7 season is the type of move that could set your team back years if it doesn't work. Think about Odell Beckham with the Cleveland Browns, Jalen Waddell with the Miami Dolphins, or Jamal Adams with the Seattle Seahawks. The Rams then up and cut Todd Gurley before the 2020 free agency. Gurley had over 1,000 yards in an injury-plagued 2019, but the idea the Rams would just cut one of the greatest running backs in the NFL? Unheard of. One year after, he had 1,850 yards and 23 touchdowns. This was dumbfounding. Considering the Rams also had to eat $20 million in dead cap, it was a type of move that often signifies teams are punting on the next season, 
like the Eagles did when they traded Carson Wentz to the Colts and took on a $31 million dead cap hit. The Rams also let 8 of their 11 defensive starters from that Super Bowl team leave in free agency. Corey Littleton, Ndamukong Sue, Tremaine Johnson, Michael Brockers, Dante Fowler, Sam Ebukam, and later Troy Hill and John Johnson, without so much as a couple compensatory draft picks coming their way. Los Angeles was not going to fall into the trap of keeping players around at too expensive of price tags because they had so many players to keep under a salary cap. Mainly, that concern surrounded Jared Goff. Goff regressed during the 2019 and early 2020 seasons. For years, it had been public knowledge that McVeigh was feeding Goff audibles at the line of scrimmage up to when the headphones cut off with 15 seconds left on the clock. It was a night and day switch with a healthy Goff, or sorry, a healthy Gurley and a not healthy Gurley. Without a healthy Todd Gurley, Jared Goff's passer rating declined to 86.5 in 2019, 15 points worse than his 2017 and 2018 numbers, which then made him a subpar quarterback. He, in 2020, his quarterback rating was 90, and remember the league average is 91. The Rams were paying top 5 quarterback money for an average to sub-average quarterback which gave them a massive competitive disadvantage relative to their NFL counterparts. And so in 2020, things started to fall apart for Goff in Los Angeles. According to Lindsay Theory of ESPN, Sean McVay and Jared Goff did not speak to each other for the final six to seven weeks of the 2020 season. When Goff went down with a hand injury, McVay turned to backup quarterback John Walford and had relative success, when Goff was healthy enough to return, McVeigh still started Walford over Goff, but didn't announce it as such. McVeigh had reached a point where, if he was going to get suboptimal quarterback play, why not go with a quarterback that McVeigh actually enjoyed working with? Many times in the quarterback-coach relationship, the high-priced quarterback ends up winning out in the battle simply because the quarterback is often a huge financial moneymaker for the franchise. In 2016, Ben McAdoo and the 2011 2-11 Giants benched Eli Manning in favor of Geno Smith, snapping Manning's consecutive start streak before a meaningless road game versus the Raiders. Ten days later, McAdoo was fired, and the Giants haven't made the playoffs since. Just last year, Carson Wentz ended up being benched by Doug Peterson, Two months later, it was Peterson, the Super Bowl winning coach, who was gone in Philadelphia. McVay and Les Snead, however, were both in agreement that Goff was not the answer. And while the Rams ended up sneaking into the playoffs in 2020, thanks to a Week 18 injury to Kyler Murray, costing Arizona a well-deserved playoff spot, the Rams were still thinking bigger and better when it came to the quarterback position. Two weeks after losing a divisional playoff game to the Packers, the Rams had their man, Matthew Stafford, who was acquired for another two first-round picks, one for value of Stafford, and two for dumping Jared Goff's contract onto the Detroit Lions, a move that was unheard of in the NFL over the last 20 years. The Rams traded two first-round picks to get Goff in 2016, then traded their first rounder in 2018 to acquire Brandon Cooks, who had since been traded to the Houston Texans for a pick swap in the 2020 draft. They then traded 
first rounders in 2019 and 2020 to get Ramsey and firsts in 2022 and 2023 to upgrade from Goff to Stafford. Sean McVay and the Rams also abandoned their identity on offense because the Rams had Todd Gurley, one of the greatest running backs of the 21st century NFL, and Jared Goff, a quarterback with the worst passer rating in the NFL as a rookie. Their identity was built in the running game for years. Everyone applauded McVay as a genius for his zone running schemes and ability to outthink opposing defenses. In 2021, the Los Angeles Rams had the 25th ranked rushing attack in the NFL. They were led by Daryl Henderson, who was the backup before Cam Akers tore his ACL and or tore his Achilles in training camp, and Sony Michelle, who was traded for a sixth round pick as a salary dump for the New England Patriots. The Rams ran the ball less than any of the final eight playoff teams in the NFL. They were one of just three teams this year with an above 500 record that lost the time of possession battle. Teams that, and just for reference, teams that run the ball are more likely to lead in time of possession because incomplete passes stop the clock from running. And even if only 25% of your passes end up incomplete, every single run play allows the clock to keep running. This was all purely an example of what players the Rams have dictating personnel. Cooper Cup had his first Pro Bowl and All-Pro season in 2021, having more receiving yards in a single season than regular and post than any receiver in the history of the NFL. Through 20 games, Cooper Cup has 2,300 receiving yards and 20 touchdowns. Robert Woods was on pace for 1,600 yards receiving before tearing his ACL in Week 8 of the season. Van Jefferson, the guy who was traded with the pick they got for Brandon Cooks, recorded 802 yards receiving in the Rams' offense. The Rams also signed Odell Beckham Jr. after his fallout with the Cleveland Browns, which was viewed as another type of all-in move, given Beckham's perception as a bad teammate who forced his way out of Cleveland. In reality, Beckham was in a bad situation with a less-than-great quarterback, and the Rams got an advantage from the rest of the playoff teams, specifically the Green Bay Packers, in not seeing the promise and possibility of a former All-Pro wide receiver. Still only seven months older than Cooper Cup, by the way. Defensively, the Rams proceeded to extend Leonard Floyd, the former first-round pick from the Chicago Bears, to pair alongside Aaron Donald. The Rams' defense was not the same team it was in 2018 or 2019 or even 2020. They finished 15th in DVOA defensively in the 2021 season, yet their strength was having Ramsey, the best corner in the NFL, and Donald, the three-time defensive player of the year, anchoring their defenses. Then, once Leonard Floyd wasn't the signing they had intended, Floyd finished 45th among edge rushers, according to Pro Football Focus, the Rams did not accept their mistakes and have a less than average pass rush. They went out and acquired Hall of Famer Von Miller from the Denver Broncos for two months with Miller coming off of an ankle injury for their two highest remaining draft picks over the, la- over the next two years, a second rounder in the 2022 draft and a third rounder in the 2023 draft. When one of these all-in moves might define a legacy of a coach and general manager pairing, 
The Rams have made all-in move after all-in move. Personally, as I talked about earlier, I don't like using the term all-in to describe the Rams' decision-making because it's all within the construct of the NFL system. The great untold market inefficiency in the NFL is that we all place too high of values on draft picks. Like a new car, those draft picks immediately lose value as soon as they're taken off the board. Think of Lynn Bowden, the Raiders' third-round pick in 2020, who was traded for a fourth-round pick to the Miami Dolphins before ever playing a single regular season snap with Las Vegas. The Rams had made correct moves without fear of ridicule or fear of blowing themselves up in the process, like with Steve Jobs. The Rams saw the path they were currently on as unsustainable, and so trading picks for Von Miller, Matthew Stafford, Van Jefferson, and others is a trade-off that, if successful, gives them a competitive advantage against the very best of the best NFL teams. And lo and behold, it worked. The Rams retired Tom Brady on the strength of their pass rush, led by Donald and Von Miller, in a 27-27 game that shouldn't have been that close, with 40 seconds left, Matthew Stafford connected with Cooper Cup for a 50-yard play that set up the game winner for the Los Angeles Rams. These were moves specifically made for that moment to get the Rams back to that exact point. Even if they collapse and lose that game to the Buccaneers, it wouldn't have been because the Rams made bad moves in trading those picks and getting rid of the players they did. It will have been because the Rams had an epic collapse with a missed 47-yard field goal, four fumbles, a snap that flew 25 yards backwards after a strip sack. The fact the Rams are playing in a second Super Bowl in four years is absolutely ridiculous. The fact they're doing it without a franchise quarterback in either of those two makes it even more remarkable. And the fact they've done it with two different teams in three years is pretty damn incredible. Sean McVay and Les Snead are fascinating experiments in leadership in this weird arena of sports. Yes, none of this is anywhere close to being possible without having Aaron Donald. Every team has great players to be really great teams. Yes, Andrew Whitworth is also still on the team, and Cooper Cup was on the 2018 team before he tore his ACL in November. And yet the Rams have taken their two anchors, first ballot Hall of Fame defensive tackle and one of the best coaches in the NFL at just 35 years old and rebuilt an entire roster from scratch, capable of beating some of the greatest quarterbacks and greatest defenses in the NFL. Matthew Stafford did not win a playoff game in 12 years with the Detroit Lions. And in his first year with the Rams, the most talented team he's ever played on, he went to the Super Bowl. It's an absolutely remarkable feat that should be celebrated. With the foundation of Aaron Donald and Sean McVay, the Los Angeles Rams went from a crumbling dynasty with a bad quarterback contract, broken running back, and roster of players leaving in free agency to NFC champion with a completely new team apart from Donald and McVay in just three years. It took every top draft pick every bit of cap space, slick salary cap navigating as well, and yet here they are again. 
regardless of how the Super Bowl goes for them, which is a very winnable game against the Bengals, getting back to this point is legendary and legendary enough for a team that was looking like they were headed towards a fate of the Philadelphia Eagles, Atlanta Falcons, or Carolina Panthers, teams who made the Super Bowl in three consecutive years between 2015 and 2017, all of whom have missed the playoffs in consecutive seasons over the past three years since their Super Bowl runs, and the Eagles got a token seven seed in the playoffs this year where they got absolutely pummeled by Tampa Bay. Willingness to accept change, even when things are going wrong, is a great lesson in leadership we can take away from this Rams football. Leadership can even come from a coach who has been the youngest in the NFL for all five years that he's been a coach. And it can come from that anchor of one of the greatest players in the NFL yelling on the sidelines to try and amp up his team to get stops on Jimmy Garoppolo at the end of a championship game. I find this Rams team incredibly fascinating. And the fact that they're back in the Super Bowl with a totally different roster than three years ago is incredible because it took the Patriots seven years to retool their entire roster between 2007 and the Super Bowl they won in 2014. It took the 49ers five years to go from Harbaugh and that team to tear the entire roster down, build it back up. The Rams rebuilt the ship on the fly and got back to the Super Bowl in just three years' time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. I really, really enjoyed writing that story. I really, really enjoyed making the bit for today's podcast. It was really, really quite enjoyable. So, Thank you to everyone who stopped in. Thank you to everyone who's continued to support us. Thank you to our lovely sponsors, of course. Shout out to all of the sponsors. All of the sponsors deserve shout outs. Uh, We appreciate each and every one of you for stopping in here and continuing to support our dreams. So much support came in in those post-conference championship podcasts from the weekend. So uh, we appreciate each and every one of you. And as always, take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Garoppolo drops back to throw. You're gonna lose the game. The seasons come and seasons go. The Niners need a change. If you don't throw check downs, you're gonna take a sack. Jimmy G is warming up, yeah, he's your quarterback. No, don't throw it. Interceptions drive us all insane Phones are calling Ron Rivera wants to make a trade If a rookie QB isn't in your plans Just call San Francisco up They got your quarterback
They say he's smart and he wins games. That don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had a ring. If your team's rebuilding talent's what you lack, trade two picks for Jimmy G. Now he's your quarterback.